All right. Thank you so much. This is Mr. Matinee, Mr. Majestic, back here again. Oh, good Lord. I'm having a really good time going through the movies of 1989. I want to make sure I do it in order. So to review from last week, or last, what, you know, the last little segment. This is now part four that we're on. On part three, um, you know, just a little brief discussion on each movie. Uh, there was Gone with Wind, uh, re-release, all those different ones. And then I ended up with... And I'm following through on Wikipedia here. I know there's more movies listed on here than came out on Wikipedia. So I'll try to do an additional audio where I just cover, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, okay. Uh, we discussed Who's Harry Crumb last time. Discussed a lot of films last time. Um, and in January we discussed you know, Cohen and Tate, Physical Evidence, Three Fugitives. And I was surprised, you know, Three Fugitives has made a lot of money for the studio. It made almost three times its budget back. Made $45 million. Seems like it should get a little bit of a better treatment. So those are some highlights from um, January and up to, like, I believe the second week of February. I had talked about Wicked Stepmother, a Betty Davis movie directed by uh, Larry Cohen I had not known about. talked briefly about Cousins, uh, about Lonesome Dove, even though that was a TV movie. It's listed on here for whatever reason. Uh, Fly 2 was discussed in last episode. Tap was discussed in last episode. And now... To mid-February here. And Lawrence of Arabia was re-released. I've seen it on the big screen. It's probably better to see it on the big screen than to just see it um, at home. Um, Jose Ferrer, uh, Omar Sharif, Peter O'Toole. Now, is it cheating to say that a movie's better if you see it in a theater? Because... That kind of says, oh, yeah, you you got to be near an urban city to enjoy the movie. So a movie should be able to be enjoyed on its own terms. So I don't know if it's really as good as everyone says. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it, and I'd say it's good as well. But if everyone can't say it and everyone's not able to watch it on the big screen, then their impersonation, their impression of the film is lesser. Uh, just guaranteed because I've seen it on the small screen and I've seen it on the big screen and even on the big screen you kind of need to go walk around in fact I think there's an intermission in it and if there's not there should be because it's a really epic film and um, you know overly long so that's that with that one Um, I'd say in the pantheon of Peter O'Toole's performances I mean obviously he should have won at least one Oscar he went 0 for 11, I believe, or 0 for 9. His last nomination being Venus, this being one of his first. I think Beckett is a really strong performance with him. Um, and it's worth going through his career filmography and nominations real quick and placing this among them. Uh, it's not that hard to do. i do that real quick. A brief lotion to discuss with um, about uh, Peter O'Toole. His first nomination is Lawrence of Arabia. Beckett, I say, 
Really good performance as well. Probably Lawrence Arabia at best. Lion and winner, just domination. Dominant, dominant performance. Probably should not have lost. Uh, lost to, I believe, True Grit that year. Best actor. Um, no, Cliff Robertson was a surprise win for Charlie. Uh, the Flowers for Algernon adaptation. I remember reading that the studio really lobbied aggressively for Charlie Robertson, and and unfortunately, Peter O'Toole lost. Um, for goodbye to Mr. Chips, I'd say Lawrence of Arabia, you know, better performance slightly. I'd say he's probably his best in Stuntman, and he's his best in uh, Venus. I think it's really underrated. I've never really seen an actor do what he does uh, except maybe Anthony Hopkins and the father which is was obviously even more impressive um but yeah that's his that's his career the ruling class not a huge fan of my favorite year I don't think it's uh the best so that's one two three four five six eight oh for eight Jesus Christ so him and Glenn Crow if I can talk him and Glenn Close have a uh, better. <laughs> they should have won a Oscar by now. Uh, he he won an honorary one. She will win an honorary one, but she should have won probably over Olivia Coleman that year for um, the film The Wife. She had won all the pre precursors. So there just must be something personally that some people in the academy are, you know, in in and mass don't vote for her. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that's about. Sometimes probably the intensity of her performing and stuff or rivalries. I don't know. <laughs> uh, next film, I believe it was shot in 1986 or so, but released in March of 89. Excuse me, February of 89. I believe that there were sneak previews of this all throughout January 1989, and they were hard to get tickets to. I have remembrance of that. You got Diane Franklin in a small role. Um, all the different people playing, you know, all the different famous people. Al Leong plays Genghis Khan. Um, Dan Shore does a good job. I'm trying to remember who's he specifically. Yeah, he's Billy the Kid, and he's also uh, does a great job in Tron. So Dan Shore. Um, so yeah, the movie is terrific. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, the sequel. I highly enjoyed at the time in the theaters. When I see it now, I enjoy elements of it. I'd like to actually, you know, if there's like a special edition or anything like that, I have, I do believe I have that downstairs. I So anyway, yeah, I may check that out and appreciate it a little bit more. But to, to kind of like there's a big elephant in the room and it's like, that stinker that came out that they made during the pandemic or I don't even know when it was filmed or it was released in the pandemic. and Oh, man. It almost makes me not want to even talk about this Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It takes away so much of um, 
that. And I, I have never even watched the movie all the way through. I just know what happens in it. I've seen scenes from it. It really depressed me. I mean, I'm not trying to stock these characters up like they're all this much, but they are. I mean, they're, they're a big, big part of our life, Bill and Ted. And Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And then to make the movie where, you know, in the future, where the aliens were all nice to them in the 88, and then in this one, they're talking to them like they're the scum of the earth, how, you know, uh, people of that gender and age class are regarded nowadays. It's, it seemed very, very transparent that they were trying to... Um, it seemed very self-hating. I know the writers are uh, the same ones behind it, but maybe they hate what they created and they wanted to kind of tear it down. I don't know. It was really weird. And uh, everyone's performance in it is just completely scummy, I guess you could say. Really, why are you doing this other than for the name recognition and you know you can get paid for it, you know? Uh, Next movie, a lot of people really like a lot. I, I've come to enjoy it a little bit more because of some of the character actors that are in it. But uh, the actor in it's a scummy person, Tom Hanks. So uh, on this network, we're not going to talk about him all that much except to say that he's uh, a full, disgusting, deceitful person and needs to be brought to justice. Uh, but yeah, he is in this movie. This is when he starts to be performing in quite a lot of movies. And yes, I do enjoy him. <laughs> I do enjoy the movies he was in. I do enjoy his acting, the way he delivers lines, the way he deceives people, I guess, as an actor on screen. Uh, but he's a very deceitful person off the screen as well. There we go with that. But uh, going forward is Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, Rick Dukeman, who was in so many movies in this era, from Last Boy Scout to uh, this to uh, Groundhog Day. I think he always brings a good um, impression on the screen. Corey Feldman, a fun role for him. Uh, Henry Gibson. Uh, Courtney Gaines, redhead guy from Hard Bodies and uh, Children of the Corn. Dick Miller, because it's a Joe Dante movie. And uh, Nicky Cat, a good little role for him. You know, the character work and everything in it, in it is good, but I, I really think that uh, it's one of his worst performances. I do can and will rank his performances. And I do think that Carrie Fisher's performance in it's pretty god-awful as well. Um, and some of the other people I listed aren't at their best, but most of them are. So that's why it's at least... I mean, I can't watch it, but I can watch those little isolated scenes. I think overall it's a pretty shitty movie. Um, but yeah, to each their own. Uh, so then the next one is a movie that's highly... Just completely underrated, under-talked about not perfect or anything doesn't really hold up all that well um but i like it and it was you know denzel where he was in for queen and country and cry freedom a couple other movies that didn't have completely american financing so i think the mighty quinn is another one like that where obviously he can get paid for making these movies they're gonna put his name on the poster they need a good big star up on the rise pretty cheap for them so they go and commit to mighty quinn uh to denzel washington they get robert townsend who is you know like fresh off of hollywood shuffle a good name maybe for them they thought at the time they have mimi rogers who was a big name at the time sherry lee walf is in it and emmett walsh uh esther roll 
So really, I mean, it's the cast that's the best thing about it. Some elements of uh, the movie maybe are a little condescending or something like that. Someone could say, you know, it doesn't hold up or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's basically a mystery, comedy, action, thriller set in, I believe, Jamaica. I'm not positive. But yeah, the, the setting, everything is interesting about it. And uh, yeah, James Fox, he does he does a good job in the film as well. I don't want to give away too much about it. I find it to be a good film. Uh, so let me just see how many more in February. Okay, we'll round out February here. Some of these a little sketchy, you know. I wish they would put... I know there are more movies released than this, and then the ones that they are listing are not really wide theatrical or theatrical at all, but we'll get to the... True Believer was by Joseph Rubin. He makes Stepfather. He makes um, Money Train a couple years after all this. He makes, uh, I believe, Sleeping with the Enemy. I think he's a great director. Um, this one I'm not as, like, the biggest fan of. Uh, I have to probably see it again in recent years. But James Woods, Robert Downey Jr., Margaret Colin, uh, Kurt Wood Smith, uh, Louis Guzman, Kurt Fuller. So, again, a lot of these movies have really cool casts. But... This one, I just thought it kind of meanders, and it, it doesn't really... Uh, you got different ones like Best Seller, which is a James Wood's role at the time. And you got other movies that Robert Downey Jr. are in at the time, which feature a little bit more of his charm. This one's a little bit more of a hard edge type deal. Like, I like Chances Are. You know, I mean, I know it's not going to be the most groundbreaking movie, but I have the old VHS of that one, and I like that one. Um, so then we got that. And that's the Mighty Quinn, True Believer, um, American Ninja. Th okay, so True Believer, it's basically like a drama, thriller, court. I don't know if it's a courtroom, um, but it didn't make a cent. Didn't do too well. Let's make sure about that. I don't want to just slander movies. Um, it made eight point seven million. Hard to know how much it costs, but I don't think it costs. Uh, less than four so that's not really the best um turnaround on that eddie dodd is a burnt out attorney roger baron helped him out and take on a case of a korean man who was imprisoned for a murder he didn't commit basically released on mill creek entertainment and uh blu-ray in 2019 Hypnotically watchable, said Ebert about the James Woods performance. It was nominated. The screenplay was nominated for Edgar Award. It inspired a spin-off TV series called Eddie Dodd. It only made eight million dollars, and it inspired a spin-off TV series. Huh. Um, at the time of True Believers' release, K.W. Lee. I don't know if that person's Asian or not. Told the Charleston Gazette he enjoyed the film. Oh, he's the person from the movie in which that this is all about. Because it's kind of based on a real case. Okay, the journalist that wrote about the real case, K.W. Lee, told Charleston Gazette he enjoyed the film as fiction, but it was not a true picture. They have completely preempted the struggle of Asians. I don't know what that overly means. I guess I have to see it to find out exactly. Um... But yeah, Eddie Dodd, it lasted for six episodes. It's 
pretty big achievement for uh, that kind of thing for a movie that only makes eight million dollars. Rob Cohen directed the pilot. Wow, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. That's why I like going back over this stuff. So two years later, they turned that around into a short-lived TV show that you know literally lasted five episodes, but still um, more than a lot of shows. And more than a lot of eight, a more I can't think of another movie that made less than eight, ten million dollars that got its own TV show, except maybe like Baghdad Cafe. But that had, um, I don't know, I don't know how that one got made exactly. But yeah, maybe this was the era where they were thinking, hey, let's just take this really, really uh, cheap IP or whatever, and make a quick series off of it. So I'd say, yeah, that bat and Baghdad Cafe are basically in a vacuum. I don't know of any other ones. I'll try to think of others over time, but pretty interesting stuff. Um, American Ninja 3, Blood Hunt. I know that maybe um, Michael Dudikoff and David Bradley, who's in this movie, didn't really get along or something like that. I know that... Michael Dudikoff's not in this one, but worked together in other stuff and they didn't get along. I think Steve James has more to do in this one. Let's see how much money this one made. Oh, shit. I don't even know how they made money off of these ones, but I guess they made up money off of video and selling them internationally, clearly. It just made like $900,000. I can think of other movies in 1989 that made more than $900,000 that are not on this list. So I got to... Figure out how to do that. They may have been regional releases or independent movies or whatever, but I know there's more than just these titles. May not have made nine hundred thousand, but they're a little more mainstream almost than AN three. But yeah, AN three doesn't really hold up. I uh, can't really have too many memories of it. Uh, American Ninja two, I love quite a lot. American Ninja one's okay, uh, and I haven't seen the others. Next movie is called Burt Rigby, You're a Fool. I was reading about this earlier. Seems like it's completely made up. I'd have been alive my whole life. Never heard of this fucking thing. Carl Reiner wrote and directed it. It's a complete flop. I can imagine that maybe after his two-picture deal at Paramount, making Summer Rental and Summer School, that he was like, hey, I'm ready to do something I've been working on for a while. It's Anne Bancroft in there, and they say it's like her worst performance of her career. Robbie Coltrane's in it, a guy named Robert Lindsay, who I'm not overly familiar with, but seems like a good actor. Um, Bruno Kirby, Kirby Burnson, and a bunch of other people. I really can't even tell you the plot. I was seriously reading about it for a couple minutes, and it was confusing to me. But uh, it didn't do well at all. came out in February of 89. Seems like it was maybe an awards contender, but got dumped. So that's that. Make sure I can get through these here. I'm going to cut it off there. There's still four movies to discuss in February. And like I said, I don't want any of these to get too long. And this one's about 19 minutes. The last one is 20. And um, if I prattle on about one of these four, then it's, you know, leaving three of them. So um, I'll just leave the four. And one of the four, I don't have anything, I have really negative things to say about one of the filmmakers involved. But uh, other than that, I just... uh, uh, you know, 
love going over the history of these movies. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Mr. Matinee, Mr. Majestic. Bye for now.